guys. Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. This week we are sponsored by Zest, an amazing company making the most delicious plant-based pesto, paste, and pasta sauces. They're made using real ingredients that you don't need a science degree to understand. All their ingredients are gluten-free, dairy-free, and vegan, and you can find them in Morrison Supermarket and lots of great independent chains as well. I absolutely love their pasta sauces. I've genuinely been using them for years. My favorite is the tomato, basil, and oregano sauce, and they also do a really great fiery chili sauce, which Ash and I both love. That sounds delicious. I'm like on a breakfast sandwich kick at the moment I need to have one every single morning and I'm using Zest vegan pesto on every every breakfast sandwich combination at the moment and I highly recommend it it is to die for if you want to order your own pesto or pasta sauce you go to www.zestplantpower.com and use capitals forking 21 to give you 20% off your next order. You will not be disappointed. This brand is absolutely delicious. Like I said, it's been one of my favorites for a while. So please do check out their website and order your favorite pasta sauces, pestos, and paste. Hi guys, welcome back to this week's Walking Wellness podcast episode. We are here with Sarah, registered nutritionist specializing in sports nutrition. Hi, Sarah. Hi, guys. How are you? We're good. We're super excited to be chatting to you today because we've had so many requests to do a episode on sports nutrition. So we're really excited to have you. Yes. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So just to start off, can you give everyone kind of like a bit of background? Tell us who you are. Um, how did you get into this? Yes, of course. So I have been a nutritionist now for about 10 years, which is crazy. It's gone so fast. Um, but I originally started out being a nutritionist in the public health sector. Um, and then I went back to university about two or three years ago now to specialize in sport and exercise nutrients. So I've been doing that um, on a freelance basis for about two years. Um, I also work in the food industry as um, the head of nutrition for a big home sector um, company. So um, yeah, I have quite a few different nutrition hats, but I love them all. Um, but sports nutrition is slowly becoming my favorite now. It's something that I'm spending a lot more of my time on. Um, and I think since I did that postgraduate, you know, it's just, I think that the, the industry and that topic in general has really begun to become quite a hot topic. It's just everywhere. It's all over social media. The the science that's getting put into it now is is growing extensively. So, yeah, it's a really exciting field to be in at the moment. Well, I think it's really interesting because sports nutrition is actually such a niche. And a lot of the time, mm. people do have specific goals. You know, I'm sure you've worked with athletes and people who lead a very different lifestyle to, you know, if you're working in public health nutrition, you're just trying to educate people on how to eat well or be a bit healthier. So obviously we'll get into that a bit more, but would you say kind of switching over into sports and nutrition, you've realized quite a different way of practice in regards to your nutrition degree? Yes, definitely. So when, before I actually went to do sports nutrition, I was working with weight management clients. Um, and 
like I said, I have a couple of different nutrition hats and I really have to switch hats between a weight management client or mm. somebody that just wants general nutrition advice to an athlete. And for me, it's trying to find, still find that balance with an athlete where it's still not a diet. You know, yeah. it's, it's not something that's going to be restrict, restrictive. And after that, working with athletes, this is actually their bread and butter. You know, this is their job. They need to fuel their body right so that they can be at the top of their game. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, their their commitment is very, very high because it has to be. Yeah. So when I work with um, like the general public, so to speak, it's a very different it's a very different way of talking about food. You, I, I focus a lot more on numbers with athletes and it's something that I don't really do when I work with um, weight management clients. It's very different. Um, but yeah, I think the nutrition, sports nutrition, I did do a little bit of it before I went back to do my postgraduate and I'm so glad I went to university to do it again mm. and study it in a bit more detail because like you say, it's so niche and there's so much it's a completely it feels like a completely different subject because yeah. it's just so different so um yeah it's been very very interesting I, I, do, I do love it and the, the the detail that you have to go in is just incredible it's really really incredible and I think that you guys are really you, you practice intuitive eating and I think that is something that really should kind of be at the top of minds now when we work with athletes because I mean it's just been eating disorder week and there's you know that in athletes is mm. very high and mm. you know it's having that having that ability to be able to to be able to identify that now as a sports nutritionist is a lot more that you have to be aware of that's so interesting yeah. and I'm glad you touched on that because I think that is you know kind of it's out there and everyone knows it but I don't know if it gets enough like um voice in the industry um so I'm really glad you touched on that mm. and something else that while you were speaking was resonating is like the difference between like an athlete and someone who needs like guidance on like sports nutrition because it's their career mm. and kind of the average person who exercises. So do you deal with those two clients very differently? Yes, but that's because they are very different in their approach, I suppose, as well. Yeah. So, you know, as a nutritionist, you guys will be very aware that you kind of have to, there's not one approach mm. fits all. And that is the same with, with athletes because some people, I don't know, you, you kind of get a gauge for how somebody's relationship is with food, what their goals are, how dedicated they are, and then your approach d- differs. And I mean, I don't know if that's just me from the nutritionist that does no, that. Really completely, bad, absolutely. Yeah, they yeah. can kind of say, this is going to work for you because it worked for my other athlete that did the same thing like yeah. three months ago. Um, so yeah, I have to really change my change my approach in the way that I, I work with them and um I think with if if an athlete is very dedicated and they want to know the numbers and they want to know you know they want to track food then that's that's fine but I will monitor them very closely where if it's an somebody who's just the gym goer well I say just the gym yeah. goer, that's incredible <laughs> you know I'm not, I'm not just like the whole big that, spectrum that, there that, that, <laughs> yeah um you know they might not see as bigger goals by tracking food, then I would say, you know, you don't need to do that. Mm. You know, we, we can work on it in a different angle. And I think it, it depends on the intensity of exercise. Like I'm saying, it's this, just the gym goer, but you know, some people, especially over the last year, have had a lot more time for exercise mm-hmm. than they do two workouts a day. So then my approach and my nutrition advice would actually be quite similar to somebody who is mm. an athlete who is working outside today. So it, your approach has to change, doesn't it? It's just, 
yeah. can't just have the same yeah. approach with everyone. Yeah, exactly. And what you've actually highlighted is there's so many different levels of being an athlete and you can like, I think people who are working out at home and staying active, like you are still an athlete. And then someone who's a professional athlete, um, there's just a lot of different variations. So the recommendations that you yeah. would give someone like are so varied on a day-to-day basis, but it doesn't like mean that they're not training for specific reasons and that we can't tailor nutrition to help them maximize their goals it's just a very unique approach per person exactly yeah and it it differs with athletes so you'll have one athlete who does who's a runner full-time that's their job do you know that Mm. is like I mentioned at the beginning that's their job and then you'll have um a professional netballer who who's a teacher and then is a professional netballer so do you know they might have a full-time job as well as being a professional athlete so yeah it, it it really does it really it's a really interesting field to be in because you know you just think of an athlete as you know like a professional footballer who dedicates their exactly, whole life to yeah. it but actually you have people that are doing normal jobs which is incredible but yeah. their their dedication is still just as high as somebody who's doing it full time yeah I'd be just whilst we're talking about professional athletes we will talk more generally about just sports nutrition for you know people like Barry and I and yeah. the, the listeners <laughs> but do you work with or have you worked with any bodybuilders no I haven't actually okay. I'm, I'm very aware of the bodybuilding side of things yeah um, because and I and do you know what I don't know if there's ever a program or there's any new research out I always read it because it is it's fascinating interesting topic. yeah well, it's, I mean, I feel like that is another degree in itself. Mm. I completely is, agree. Well, my, I would always refer somebody to a specialist with somebody who specializes in that area. I probably wouldn't be able to help them as much as what somebody else could. Yeah. I mean, I only ask because my husband actually used to compete and be a bodybuilder and just he fully recognizes that it was short term and, you know, he could, there's no way you can maintain a life like that. But a lot of people spend years and years in and out of the industry kind of bulking and cutting and cycling what they're doing and yeah I was just um interested to know if you'd work but you're so right it's almost like another degree in itself and it's such a specialized area um that's actually it can be quite dangerous so (laughs) probably best to I think it is really you've got to kind of work within your scope and and know your area because you know that a lot of female bodybuilders have actually used bodybuilding to high disordered eating. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's 100%. Really, a really hard industry, a really hard sport to to kind of get into and, and really be able to do the athlete or the bodybuilder as justice, you know, really be able to help them with all the knowledge and all the kind of the experience. And, you know, if you've not got that, then you might be doing more harm than good. So, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I think my husband's actually like traumatized by the diet he used to eat. Like now he won't have like chicken, rice, and broccoli on a plate because he's like, that's what I used to live on. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, just think how the micronutrients, like they just wouldn't. I know. And the fiber. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just all, it's just old fashioned, like macronutrients yeah. are the best thing in the world, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's get into the general uh, sports nutrition stuff then, because we have so many questions from listeners. So I guess we'll just kind of work our way through and have conversations around it. But first thing that came up was kind of fasted workouts versus having breakfast first or, you know, doing a workout later in the day. Is there a perfect time to work out? And should we be doing fasted workouts, basically? Are they more effective? So it will depend on what the goal is. So if you're working out because you want to gain muscle or you want to run faster miles, then 
fasted workouts are probably not the best way to go. Um, when you work out fasted, you are more likely to utilize fat as energy um, rather than carbs because you've, you know, you've not got high glycogen stores. But this doesn't necessarily mean that it will increase weight loss. So if weight loss is your goal and you're working out fasted, and it's actually having a negative impact on their performance workout, you know, how much effort you're putting mm. into that workout. If you're feeling very fatigued, then I would recommend to have like a, a banana about half an hour before you do a workout, you know, or, or even caffeine, you know, something that's going to keep you more alert and mm. keep you being able to put the full effort in that you want. I think it, it is like I say, it's goal dependent. I think if, if it is, if you are working out fasted for weight loss, it can, like I say, it will help you use fat more, but it doesn't necessarily equal fat loss because you'll, you know, it can have that negative impact where you're not working out to your full potential. Yeah, I was going to um, say, if you actually I, haven't got the energy to keep going, then it's going to be counterproductive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think if, it, if you are somebody who doesn't like to eat before a workout because you work out first thing in the morning, then, mm. you know, it, it, it's it's fine. Um, but I would then really focus on your post-workout nutrition and make sure that that is as well, as good as it can be. Because obviously then you want to make sure your glycogen stores are, are, are nice and high after your workout and your protein stores are as well. Um, I think if you are working out first thing in the morning, I really would recommend a banana. I think it's like the saviour of, of pre-workout foods because it's so quick to have. You know, you can just even have half a banana and it just gives you that 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 spiking in glucose that you will need to just help you mm. kind of get along with your workout and not feel as fatigued. Um, and like I say, then you, 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 you are reserving your fat and your protein stores because you are using your glycogen stores, which is obviously what we want. And that is, is, has been shown to have more positive impacts than fasted workouts. So is it, it kind of sounds like fasted workouts, um, they're hyped up. And a lot of people will, you know, say that that's what they should do to kind of, like you said, mobilize the fat storage. But in reality, you're, you're also suffering, you're risking like the quality of your workout for mm. some people. Exactly. Yeah. I think, if, you know, sometimes when you utilize fat and you are still being able to work at your full potential, then it can increase fat loss. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't necessarily always mean weight loss either. Do you know, it's, it's a whole rounded thing. It's, mm. it's, We've, we've realized now in sports nutrition that it's not just what you have before or after a workout it's that whole 24 hours around the workout so yeah. um it's, it's fasted workouts if you prefer it and you and you know you get gut discomfort if you are working out with food in your in your body then it's it's absolutely fine but just say try not to let it kind of compromise your your, your workout and your, your performance I feel like we can always liken that to intermittent fasting totally I, I say to clients I'm like if you genuinely are not hungry when you wake up that's fine you know push breakfast back a bit but if you're doing it for weight loss it's just going to create a whole load of issues yeah I completely exactly. agree and I I think like for me sometimes like when I wake up in the morning and I do a workout before work which is quite rare um I'll have <laughs> like I don't want anyone thinking like oh my god Barry works out every day in the morning like no it's like a once a month experience um I actually just have a coffee and then I will do my workout just because like I'm not hungry for anything and I don't have time to eat, digest and work like, out yeah, exactly. before work. So, but I've never thought about it as, oh, I'm going to go do this fasted workout. Go I guess do it's, fasted workout. Yeah. And I guess it's not even fasted because I broke my fast with a cup of coffee that has milk in it. So I guess technically that's not fasted. Um, but I, I would never like 
consider not working out without food, like later in the day, like I would always try and like, make sure that I had like the right balance of nutrients to like, like you said, fuel my workout and make sure that I like have it to be super effective. Um, but I never actually thought that in the morning I would consider it a fasted workout. It's kind of just like, oh, I gotta, I'm, this is the only time I have to do it. And then I got to start work and then I'll eat breakfast. So it is really interesting. Cause I think that, like you said, so if, like some people like with intuitive eating, like, it's just like, if that fits with your kind of hunger levels and mm. not intuitive eating, sorry, intermittent fasting yeah. and your like time schedule, then it's just eating. It's not like intermittent fasting. It's just mm. like the same thing. Like if you, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it's like an interesting, like thought to kind of correlate them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, every, everything has to have a name now, doesn't it? I know. You know if you don't eat breakfast, the thing needs a label. <laughs> yeah, like if you don't, like you would never, like you just said, Barry, you would never have thought to say that you actually do fasted workouts. It's just what fits in with your day. But then obviously now it's called fasted workouts. So, um, and, and caffeine, actually, I was, I'll just touch on caffeine a little bit because mm. it's really well researched in sport and exercise nutrition, actually. And it can help if you do want to have a fasted workout or you just don't have time to eat before you work out in the morning um having a cup of coffee actually can prevent the feeling of fatigue so it just prevents that perception that you're feeling tired so if I actually do recommend that to some people to have a, a have a small cup of coffee before they work out just to give them that that kind of feeling that they've got more energy mm-hmm. and you know you'll still go into the, the you'll still utilize fat um, but it's just helps it's kind of tricking your brain um, yeah. into thinking oh I'm tired and, it, and obviously the caffeine will, will kind of prevent that but um yeah if you are going to have caffeine before a workout try and have it like 30 minutes before and it gives you time to, to kick in for your workout Good yeah tip. mine's I would just be in- because I just sorry you go <laughs> I just can't wake up with a cup of coffee and there has been times where I was like thirsty during a workout and was still sipping on my coffee so I feel like that's not the way to do it and I will change like hydrate with water but mine's just I can't get out of bed without it so it's a bit different but yeah that is good to know that caffeine has its benefits also within the kind of sports nutrition realm um I know that caffeine sometimes is demonized and I'm I'm on a mission to um make it not because I love it legalize oh, all caffeine legalize like caffeine. needs <laughs> Exactly. I would be interested to I know though. Sorry, just on the caffeine thing. Is it possible though to kind of build up a tolerance in regards to the amount of caffeine you need to fuel a workout? Or does it not work like that? It it really will depend on what yeah, what your personal tolerance actually okay. is. So and also, I mean, you've probably you've probably heard about this, but you know, people have caffeine supplements yes. because they can actually manage and know how much caffeine is in mm. that. I'm obviously a food first kind of girl, yeah. but um I think, you know, for some people, especially endurance athletes, they will have a caffeine supplement because obviously you could have different brands of coffee and it'll have different yeah. caffeine levels. So it's quite hard to actually monitor that just through that a, such a, a good cup point. of coffee and, and build it up. Yeah, so it's, it's something that you would, if you was working with a, a sports nutritionist or just a nutritionist, you would probably monitor that with them because it's quite hard to do, mm. to do on your own. Um, yeah yeah exactly um let's say you work out in the afternoon let's say mid-afternoon and someone wants to know what a good lunch would be to fuel their workout let's say in two to three four hours time is there any certain foods you'd recommend to get the most out of their workouts energy wise yeah so I think a lot of people's routine is to know their lunch is actually their pre-workout nutrition because they'll work out after work you know Mm -hmm. say it's like four or five o'clock so I would recommend for that lunch to have a really good 
portion of carbohydrates in there. You want to have a little bit of protein and a little bit of fat. And the reason you want to have this maybe three or four hours before your workout is because when you have like something like pasta, then when have, you're having the carbohydrates and the fat with it, it will slow down the release of that carbohydrate. So you want to have a nice balanced lunch so that you are getting your glycogen stores nice and high. You're also making sure there's enough protein and that little bit of fat in your in your lunch. So I would recommend um, maybe like a chicken pasta with a little bit of avocado or some olive oil drizzled on with some um, vegetables. Or you could have um, like a falafel wrap with um, some hummus and some spinach in there. Um, but making sure that you are not, I would prefer, and I think a lot of, there's a lot of evidence to show that you really want to be having carbohydrates mm-hmm. um, as three to four hours before a workout. If that is something that you then feel hungry at like three o'clock, then definitely still have like a pre-workout snack. Um, and that is something that we want to kind of be more of a simple carbohydrate. So, you know, we want it to get into our bloodstream a little bit quicker. Um, so that's like I say, the tr- good old trusty banana. It's everyone, I think every sports <laughs> nutritionist has this payload for a banana. Um, is a really great, it's a really great food to have. Um, some people do actually have like sweets before a workout just to give that's them- That's what my husband used to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, glucose is glucose, isn't it? Do you know, yeah, yeah, I, would, I would prefer it to come from something that's got other nutrients in mm-hmm. as well. But, I mean, if that's not available, then yeah, if you if you need a little bit of glucose, a little bit of sugar before your workout, then then go for it because that that's what that's what we need. We need high glycogen stores. Uh, but yeah, for lunch, definitely a carb and protein lunch with, like I say, a little bit of fat in there as well, and it'll just help that carbohydrates be released a lot more slowly and just get them glycogen stores nice and steady, ready for your workout in the afternoon. I love that because awesome. it's also just kind of like what should I eat for lunch and just balancing your plate with the right nutrients to fuel like just for an afternoon of like work. It's actually quite similar to what you mm. would do for a workout and I think there's this like misconception um that if you're doing a workout you need to like bulk up on this and bulk up on that and actually what you just said is actually quite similar to what I would recommend just anyone trying to, you know, balance their blood sugars throughout the day. And like mentally get themselves through the afternoon. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like I think a lot of people say like, oh, I have, I hit that three o'clock slumping. It's like, well, do you know, carbohydrates aren't just for workouts. You know, that yeah. your brain needs carbohydrates. If you sat at a computer all day, I know you're not moving, but do you know, your brain is still utilizing them carbs and your body is. So yeah, I hundred percent agree. It's, it goes, it always goes back to the good old trusty message of a nice balanced di- diet, doesn't it? And a nice balanced yeah. diet. <laughs> as much as people want some kind of secret answer yeah exactly and I think it's funny because when I do work with people who are just really active gym goers or crossfitters they say like right what should I be having like right I've got a list what should I be having supplements and I'm like oh no (laughs) I mean you can do this with food first and actually then when you work with elite athletes they're the complete opposite I mean I'm very I'm generalizing here but they're like no I don't want to take that and and you know what can I get from food and they really want that food first approach because then you've got to get into all the anti-doping things and mm. not going to that. that's probably a whole different podcast but um do you know that they want the food first approach and that's no so interesting remedy, do you know there's no secret supplement that's gonna happen. I think that's like a psychology thing where like people who aren't like that elite elite 
you know, professional athletes, they want not like a quick fix, but they just want to like enhance it. And they want that, like they're very results driven. Whereas I think like from the psychology of like a performance athlete for like, that's their career. It's like almost like it's lifelong ongoing kind of thing. Longevity and, you know, fueling your body. And I think it's like a different mentality, but I think that's really interesting that, you know, those athletes are like, oh, I don't need that supplement or what can I get from food? And then kind of those, you know, CrossFit gym goers, again, generalizing, but I think, I think it has merit that they're like, okay, protein supplements, you know, post-workout, pre-workout, you know, am I taking iron? Am I taking Mm. branch chain amino acids? And I think there's almost this, um, maybe it's the same thing with the nutrition when it's like, you have a little bit of knowledge and you think you're like, um, kind of like an expert. And then the more knowledge yeah. you get, the more you realize that that wasn't true. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, yeah, I, it does definitely. And I don't think it's anyone's fault. I think yeah. it's actually, if you think about it, it's this, it's the kind of environment that they're in. Mm. So, you know, it's like a more of a GM environment, like you say, it's that little bit of knowledge that goes sometimes a little bit too far. Whereas actually when you're working with athletes, they're surrounded by strength and conditioning coach, a physio, mm. you know, a performance coach, a performance nutritionist. And they're hearing a lot more, they're hearing a lot of different jargon and a lot of different yeah. knowledge in, in their environment, their daily environment compared to what a CrossFit gym would be or like a normal gym would be. So I don't think it's anyone's fault that they think these quick, you know, they want yeah. these quick fixes. I think it is just what you hear. It's just noise, isn't it? Yeah. You hear that a lot of noise. Definitely. You do tend towards that. And it's the same with like social media. I was going to say, it's like real life social media when you're in the gym. <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> exactly. And if you see something, um, if you see something enough, you're going to start believing it, aren't you? So yeah. it's just, I don't think it's anyone's fault. It's just, I think, I do think environment's a massive thing. I think that's Definitely. so interesting. And like, I can totally understand it. Can we please touch on protein and like protein shakes and protein? I just feel like these days, like you see protein water. Like, oh, I think it's disgusting. It's like a, companies <laughs> are just kind of, you know, taking this Everything. idea even Ash will be like, he'll buy himself like a protein Snickers bar or one of the protein Mars bars or whatever. And I'm like, it's not healthier or more nutritious because it's got protein. It's still the Mars bar. It's just got added protein. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, let's oh. talk about protein. <laughs> I just say, honestly, you think that our boyfriends and husbands would have like the oh. inside scoop, but my I know, is- they should take advantage more. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's the worst. No oh, I read this is it true and I'm like no yeah. it's a load of rubbish and then I'll see him like buying it and I'm like like we've got branched chain amino acids in our cupboard I'm like what <laughs> we've got them in our cupboard <laughs> like, they're a load of rubbish and he's just like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. um yes protein is probably the uh, the hottest topic I think when it comes to exercise and mm. sports nutrition in general probably nutrition in general actually mm. I think no matter what field you work in, mm-hmm. protein is just what everyone wants to know about. Um, so yeah, there's there's been quite a lot of um, deep, a lot more science that's come out actually in the last few years. And I think the whole protein industry kind of came about because we got told that there was this 30 minute window between when yeah. we try to work out to when we should be having protein. So we really need to get it in that. I believed that for a while and I used to get so paranoid after my workouts, not that they were overly strenuous, but like I'd come out and be like, okay, I need to have my dinner now. Like what protein yeah. am I having? And in, and in the nineties, that was some, that was the science, you know, it, yeah. nutrition science is always evolving. So it's, not wrong information it's just evolved since then um and now actually we found that muscle protein synthesis and repairing our muscles through protein um actually is 
like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's all within that 24 hours mm. of when you finish that workout. So you could finish a workout, have your protein shake within 30 minutes, and then have really the worst nutrition for the rest of the day. Yeah. And you know, you might think you've done the right thing because you've had that protein shake, but actually your body is still, you know, your glycogen stores being replenished happens within like two or three hours after you've done a workout. You know, it's the whole day that we need to be looking at. So I always recommend for if you are working out twice a day um, and like I know a lot of people are doing that at the moment then maybe try to focus on having like carbohydrates and a protein snack or meal within like an hour two hours after your first workout just so that you you were kind of helping your body recover as quickly as possible but only really if you're doing two workouts a day and the I don't think I've ever worked out twice in a time <laughs> <laughs> never really I used to when I used to swim but that was that was it and I think yeah. I think it's probably a little bit more the athlete. Yeah. There. Um, but when you are just doing your nice workouts like every other day, or mm-hmm. you know, doing a nice work resistance workout one day, yoga the next day, run the next day, whatever your regime is, you really need to be focusing on what your overall day looks like. So you want to be trying to have um protein with every meal and trying to get it in with your snacks as well. So you want to be looking at getting about 15 to 25 grams of protein um with each meal and each snack, basically. Um Obviously, there's smaller amounts when you're having a snack. You don't want to be having like a full yeah. <laughs> Um, But there's no, like I say, this food first approach. Mm. Um, and when you work with a registered sports dietitian or nutritionist or any any nutritionist, they should always say food first approach. Yeah. Um, there's some areas where it might be beneficial, and that is, you know, if you really can't stomach food, you know, you you quite malnourished and you know food is just not something that you're keen on then shakes can can help um if you're vegetarian if you're vegan and you know your diet isn't very well planned then it can it it can help and you know I don't like to dismiss them too much because there's a place for everything um Mm. but if you're if you're a meat and dairy eater then you know really focus on enjoying your your protein through food and and having this nice meal rather than like trying to trying to get a snack um, um sorry a shake after you've done a workout and Actually, now there's a lot of research that shows that having carbohydrates and protein together after a workout really helps increase muscle protein synthesis. And that's what we want, basically, to be able to help mm. our muscles repair and recover. And that increases when you consume carbohydrates with your protein. So these protein shakes, like, say, multi-million pound industry, kind of based on the fact that we thought we had to have them within 30 minutes. But if that is not achievable for you, then don't worry about it. You know, don't put pressure on yourself to be buying these shakes. Um, one of the best quick things, if you don't want to have protein shakes, one of the best recovery things that you can have is actually like a banana milkshake with a few oats in, because it's got your protein, it's got you Mm -hmm. leaving from your protein, it's got a little bit of carbs in, glycogen, you've got glucose from the banana, potassium, all of the nutrients, a bit of fiber. I mean, the list goes on, you've got calcium, you know, it's so well balanced. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really great recovery, um, like shake, you know, if you don't want to have a meal without actually having to have horrible tasting protein (laughs) yeah so it sounds like the people who go to the gym with their protein shaker the protein at the bottom like ready to fill it with water as soon as their workout is done maybe if you're only working out once a day you leave that at home and then go have a nice well-balanced meal with your protein and your carbohydrates but like protein powder is good to keep in the cupboard for those different situations when sometimes you don't have time for a meal or maybe, you know, you want, let's say just oats and you want to add some protein to it. You can put in some protein powder, but there are situations where protein powder can be beneficial, but for the average person, 
food first. Definitely. And it goes back to when you're working with anyone who's, you know, adding milk powder to add calories to things, you know, that's still protein and, mm. you know, nutrients in it as well. So, you know, it's a trick that's been being used in the nutrition industry for years and years and years is just adding like milk powder. And then it's obviously, like I said, just adjusted to, to protein powder and protein water. I'm definitely not. <laughs> I've never really keen on that. That sounds horrendous. Um, <laughs> There was something I was actually going to say then about um, about protein. I know you have to come back to me. Okay. Just going back to protein powders quickly. I actually really enjoy having protein powder in my um, porridge bowls for taste and just a little bit of extra boost of protein in the morning. And I get asked constantly, what do I need to be looking for in a protein powder? Is there anything, let's say someone is including it in their breakfast or their smoothies three or four days a week, so relatively often, is there anything we should be looking for in terms of ingredients that it should include or not include? So, yeah, you want to be making sure that it's got all of the essential amino acids that we need. So mm-hmm. especially if you're going for like a vegan protein powder, like say a lot of people that do have protein powder as well. It's because they are vegan and, you know, it's just kind of to bridge the gap kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah you want to be looking for branch chain, um, not branch chain, <laughs> all the essential amino acids in there. Um, leucine is actually something that triggers the um, the way that we can actually metabolize and recover with protein so that's really great to have in there um I think if you enjoy it then and it's just basically because you want it for taste then don't worry too much about it but yeah the main thing for me would be making sure it's got all the essential amino acids and the leucine okay and what about like artificial sweeteners and additives and things like that how kind of savvy do we need to be I think it's like anything, isn't it? It's too much of something, especially when it comes to like yeah. sweetness, is just probably not the best bet. But mm-hmm. um, if it, a personal choice, I try not to preach too much on it because I think it's a personal choice. If you really like that taste, then, and you have maybe like say, don't have it every day because yeah. you don't have stuff like that every day anyway. Um, but you can get a lot of protein powders at the moment, especially the vegan ones that are quite, um, the ingredient list is quite short actually. Mm. So this, it's like, um, it'll have like cacao in it and pea proteins like pea protein is a very is a great vegan protein source to have um and you know the ingredient list will be quite short but it will have a more distinctive taste and it's mm. not like you say that's that artificially sweet um like I say going back to boyfriend my boyfriend has like the most cookie dough flavor and I have like a cacao <laughs> like a really nice like cacao flavored um yeah. <laughs> protein powder and it just depends on taste I think if you're having anything even if it's protein powder anything that's got a lot of sweetness and things like that in it anyway in, I would say this from any foods you know maybe you want to just look at decreasing that slightly yeah awesome that makes so much sense what about and like it's I find it always hard to like ask questions that like I like we know the answer of but like how to ask yeah, them we in a way educate. that yeah just so everyone ask- doesn't think we're stupid <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we don't know the answer <laughs> not yeah not just that but like how to ask them in a way that's going to be beneficial for the listener but what yeah. what happens like we don't store protein in our body so like when we eat glucose we store it as glycogen mm. when we eat fat we store that as well but we can't store excess protein so what happens when we eat too much protein I mean, 
it can just basically some there is actually has actually been evidence to show depending on the kind of workout you do and the how strenuous it is but actually if you do have that little bit more extra protein your body will find ways of using it um however yeah if you do have excess and i'm talking i'm going to watch this is what i wanted to talk about actually i remembered um we should actually only be having around 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram mm. of body weight which for the average female um, is around 50 grams of protein a day but i work with with clients who get told to have like 200 grams of protein. Oh, I've worked with clients who have Same. just been working out, who have come to me and said, my PT said I need to be having like 125 grams of protein yeah. a day. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yes, like, this is exactly grams. what I was envisioning that question would lead to. So very happy. <laughs> Um, 125 grams is like this magic number, isn't it? I hear that number all the time. Um, and actually, if you're just doing your really good workouts once a day or once every other day, you are probably absolutely fine with 50 grams of protein. Like you said, Barry, we, we, our body won't store it. It's not going to help. It's not going to keep building muscle the more mm. you have. It's going to probably be weed out. Like it sounds awful, but it's probably just going to be wasted. Um, and then that's when we need to look at the overall approach of, when, when your nutrient timing is, when are you having this protein? So actually your body's to actually use as much of it as possible. Mm. Like, are you really invested in expensive protein powders when you have a glass of milk and chicken breast and or chickpea? You know, do you really need to be having like supplements when you're probably getting sufficient amounts? And I think what's actually really, really harmful, well, not harmful, but really sad is actually when people say I've been told to have this really high amount of protein, then they could say, and go, I'm really stressed because I can't get enough. Like, I don't know how to get this much protein into my diet. And it's usually at the cost of another nutrient. I was just you know, about to say that you're like sacrificing something else that you could be adding nutri- nutrition wise into your diet. Yeah, because they're focusing so much on protein. And, and then, like you say, if they're not doing two workouts a day and it's not strenuous exercise then like you say very it's just going to be completely a waste of time and you know you could really focus on getting the, the carbohydrates in there with the fiber and the nutrients or like fruit and veggies or a little bit like fats and getting some like fat soluble vitamins in and you know really focusing on getting this well-rounded diet rather than focusing on protein for it to just be a bit of a waste of time really totally. and like you said stressful as well <laughs> I just like yeah. picture this sounds so bad. I hope he's not listening. But my boyfriend, like when he used to go to the gym, like he would go for like 30 to 40 minutes, do like um a weight-based workout, like drink a protein shake on the way home, and then we'd have dinner. And I'm like, you're just peeing out money. Like that is like just come home and eat your dinner. You're gonna yeah. get enough protein in it from there. You don't need to waste your money on a protein shake because I know what you're eating through the day and you have plenty of protein in every single meal and every single snack. That is literally just like wasted money that you're literally just excreting because- I think it makes some people feel more like a, a gym goer. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And again, <laughs> what we were talking about before, that psychology of a gym goer versus psychology of a performance athlete. Um, mm. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and but no, but then like we say going back to the other point it's not that it's no one's fault it's the environment it is yeah. just like what you see on social media like you'll see a really big influencer having it and pushing it and you're like oh yeah yeah I love that and it may in like say so if it makes you feel like oh yeah I'm part of this community yeah you no know, you're like I'm doing it right <laughs> yeah, it's quite an unpopular opinion to go oh no you don't need them do you know yeah. food first and everyone's like yeah yeah blah 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 food <laughs> yeah and then they I get the eye roll be like oh of course you're saying that of course <laughs> yeah. like 
that's yeah. why I like to use like you say that example of like what a professional athlete would say like mm. you know actually find what can I have some food so yeah that's such a good point are there any I mean if any kind of vitamins or supplements that let's say let's say professional athletes so someone who is their they you know their workouts are their job um do they need to be on any specific supplements or do you recommend specific supplements so just like anybody I would work with I would always recommend vitamin d um just because obviously without vitamin d we can't absorb enough calcium and mm-hmm. you know bones bone health, bone health really yeah athletes. so I would always recommend vitamin d just as I would with the general public mm-hmm. um Again, it will depend on what sport you do, you know, how mm-hmm. you're training, if you are female, if you're male, you know, this I would monitor certain nutrients. I wouldn't necessarily go and recommend a supplement or a vitamin straight away. I would when I'm working with them, I would kind of keep an eye on it. So yeah. um I work quite a lot with endurance athletes and with endurance females, they have been shown to be um quite well, they have been shown to have the most iron deficiency out of any athlete interesting female runner um so I would really watch their iron levels there especially if they're plant-based you know Mm -hmm. they might be having enough iron but are they teaming it with the right things to be able to absorb that iron so um I would like I say keep my iron and iron definitely if I'm working with a veggie or vegan athlete again it would be like you guys when you're working with just a veggie or vegan client you know you want to keep your iron b12 making sure that they're having um, a really nice mix of, of, of plant-based proteins to make sure they're covering all of the essential amino acids um there's there are some supplements not necessarily vitamins but there are some supplements that vegetarians can see benefits from that are meat that um might not necessarily and one of them is creatine obviously yeah I was gonna I was literally just about to ask that's yeah. the next question <laughs> um so with creatine obviously if you eat meat and dairy you will get plenty of that from there so don't mm. worry about having to supplement that we from that we tend to get about one gram a day from from our foods and that's that's sufficient enough um when you are vegetarian obviously you're not eating those foods so we have a low creatine level in our muscles but that also means that they've got a higher an increased chance of being able to absorb it from a supplement so sometimes creatine supplements can help um vegetarian athletes or vegan athletes but it's more in the resistance training so you know mm-hmm. again it's very sport specific as as anything will be in sports nutrition mm-hmm. um as a general rule though for gym goers you know and you eat meat and dairy creatine is probably again a waste of money you can get yeah. that from these protein sources but from food um but sometimes that is worth looking at as a, from a sports nutrition point of view you know i would have to work with them to actually see if it's going to be beneficial for them yeah um, but that sometimes there is certain what certain supplements that can help um the french chain amino acids again sticking to that kind of that protein thing you know again if you're eating whole proteins like complete protein food sources no point in having french chain amino acids i think there was a study done that it was literally like 11 peanuts is the equivalent to what you'd actually get from a bca supplement yeah. is that correct yeah and it, yeah and it's actually like the same as any any vitamin actually if you if your body doesn't need it it won't absorb it yeah it's mm. not gonna utilize it properly yeah it's like it's like when people have these really expensive multivitamins yeah. and, and they have a balanced diet and then they go oh I, went to the, I had a wee and it smelled a little bit funny and you're like oh, yeah, that's yeah really or it's like fluorescent <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah red flag definitely yeah, definitely. a red flag so, 
French amino acids are kind of like are kind of like that. If you if you if you're getting enough protein from your food, then you, you definitely don't need to have, to have them. Um, if you are malnu- you are quite malnourished and you, you really struggle to eat food, sometimes French chain amino acids French chain amino acids BCAAs can help. But again, I would really monitor that before I just go and say, yeah, go and have your creatine, go and have your French chain amino acids. Yeah, um, it's very specific to how someone's diet is and how they actually work how their relationship is with food actually I think it's just kind of the same like you said at the beginning just you know general nutrition practice like Barry and I would practice again we would never recommend anyone just go and buy themselves a supplement like always check you know if not with hopefully a qualified professional nutritionist or dietitian then even just your GP and check your nutrient levels are okay Mm -hmm. don't just go and spend because they're expensive they are so expensive and And when you're doing it yeah when I was going to say when you do it monthly you could actually spend like an extra 50 pound a month on unnecessary supplements easily yeah I completely agree and then the other supplement that I wanted to ask about was magnesium I feel like that's Mm -hmm. quite popular for like post recovery um everyone in their magnesium salts um can you talk a bit about that so again if you are working out for a long period of time and you need to replace those salts then that is usually actually um we would only rec- I would only recommend somebody to have something like the salts or the sugars um, if they're doing ex- exercise for over 90 minutes. So, wow. you know, if you're just going to go and do like a quick work, like weight workout for 30, 40 minutes, like you don't, you don't need to be looking at having magnesium um, at all, really. Um, and to be honest, I know that's, that's an upcoming thing for me. I don't actually get asked too much about magnesium, actually, um, which is good, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you was to do you know if you was doing a marathon training for a marathon for example and you're running for 90 minutes non-stop then we might want to look at that then um but just for like a normal gym goer then no don't yeah I think and if you're what? like sorry I was gonna say if you're like achy from your workouts then maybe like a nice Epsom salt bath once a month or something yeah, like or once you- a week like just for the pure like relaxation of it yeah I think a lot of that is antidotal isn't it you know if you yeah. if you love that then go for it like why not treat yourself and you know have a nice <laughs> bath like that. but you know it's not gonna it's not gonna you're probably going to be able to recover your muscles more efficiently by having that, that carbohydrate and protein meal after you've worked out you know that's going to prevent the the muscle damage and the, the aches and the pains more than a few magnesium salts yeah I've learned and that's what I practice yeah that's what the research says (laughs) yeah and I definitely appreciate I just have this like vision of just like oh god I just worked out and I need my protein chain hop shake and hopping in a magnesium salt bath and it's it's exactly just that um I think that's what unfortunately sometimes the industry feeds us because at the end of the day they want to make money and they want to push their products and Mm. it's really easy to get confused and the same with nutrition nutrition supplements um like it's in the diet industry like it's a billion dollar industry for a reason and you know they make you feel like you need this to get maximum results and when you speak to any professional they're always going to tell you you don't need that food first um and I think it's quite humbling to hear that yeah Yeah. definitely and just to finish off on again something people wanted to know what, what is the most effective way to build muscle and burn fat and that's in quotations. Okay. <laughs> so I was actually trying to describe this to somebody the other day and I got really tongue-tied because I was really excited to talk about it and I was talking about it fast. So hopefully I can just... <laughs> so 
basically when if you for the normal gym goer who goes and actually wants to build muscle and lose fat it's really it's actually a lot more difficult than what you would think it's 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 like anything like putting weight on losing weight mm. and, and it's both ends of the spectrum it's it's going to be difficult you know nothing is easy um you want to be making sure that when you're working out you are putting your full effort into this so you are really working the best of your ability and then you want to be making sure that you have you are actually having adequate protein amounts and so that your muscle protein turnover is always high so you know you're not going below and you're break going into your protein stores you want to always make sure that you're above those protein stores so if you're wanting to the burning fat will come from your workouts <laughs> there's not like some crazy fat burning drink that's going to help you do that do you know that is yeah. from your effort in your workouts then it's really going to be your nutrition afterwards and for like I say throughout that day that's going to help you build that that muscle and I suppose it's gaining weight basically when you want yeah to I was going to say you actually have to increase your calorie intake a lot definitely and, and I get asked quite a lot of oh how can I I want to lose weight but gain muscle mm. and I'm like you're not going to lose weight and gain muscle you might you'll lose that and gain muscle so yeah. like when you ask that question so it's very well asked <laughs> very well worded <laughs> because to lose weight and gain muscle is going to be it's count it's like counter yeah and they don't really um, go together right <laughs> so I would recommend if that's your goal and that's something that you can healthily mentally want to do I would say lose a bit of weight first if that's what you want to do if you want to lose the weight do that first get to a place where you're really happy and then be able to put that little bit of effort into your workout be happy to be increase those calories increase that food intake every day and make sure that your nutrient timing is really well positioned so you know um, making sure that you're having those protein and carbs after a workout those protein protein with every meal um with every snack as well do you know, like it, it could even be like yogurt do you know it doesn't have to be mm. a protein shake just like yogurt has got some really great protein in there um just making sure you're having something like that and steadily throughout the day and I think Barry mentioned this about like blood sugar levels and things so like we would recommend to eat time your meals if you can do you know if you want to do you know I know that's not as intuitive as you, you might want it to be but making sure that you're having a nice steady flow of food throughout the day will mm. help you um well prevent you from going into your your muscle stores basically in, in, in breaking down your muscle so you want to always make sure that you've got your muscle protein is obviously in kind of what do they call it now in this, the, the gym world like a surplus is it surplus yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah you want to make sure that you're preventing any protein breakdown by having sufficient protein and you might want to look if this is something you want to work on I know I said it's about 0.8 grams a day but if this is something you want to work at um, work on then I'd maybe look at like one gram a day per kilo of body weight just to make sure that you, you are getting a sufficient amount there but you will probably have to well you will have to increase your your overall energy intake to build, to build muscle yeah and I guess like with anything in nutrition there is no one magic answer it's consistency which is no. key. yeah de- but that's it definitely like I, I, do you know I, there's actually that's really silly thing that everyone used to say where like abs are built in the kitchen and that kind of thing yeah like it, it's actually abs are genetic to- <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, you need to put in as much effort into your exercise and the nutrition. Yeah, it's the whole big picture, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think people forget that. And like from a nutritionist, I would nutritionist point of view, I would never say nutrition is the answer to everything, mm. especially when you want to build muscle and lose mm-hmm. fat. That is that is a joint a joint yeah. job there. They well, we say together. the same even with intuitive eating. It's like you know you can feel like you have the perfect diet, but if you're not hydrated or you're not sleeping or you're stressed out every day, of course you're not going to feel. I was- just going to say that even taking a step out of the nutrition, like take a step out further and include like your sleep cycle and your stress Mm. levels and stuff like all of that has a massive impact as well on muscle recovery and building muscle, just like it does with maintaining a well-balanced like lifestyle. So it feels like the principles um, are quite similar in terms of sports nutrition and, you know, just living a well-balanced lifestyle in general, but then obviously you get niche and a bit more scientific depending on your goals. But I think we're all trying to just like preach the same thing and just, you know, yeah, you know, live a healthy, well-balanced life, get your greens in, get your protein, have some fiber, sleep well, and drink water. (laughs) Yeah, hydration. Yeah. I've not, we've not spoke about that yet, but hydration is so important, isn't it? And it might say in general, but when it comes to exercise and sports mm. nutrition, it's really, really important. Um, and like I say, I've, I've not been as scientific as I probably could have been today, but I wanted to keep it relatable. No, because- it's, it's good. That's, yeah, that's the vibe we want to go for, not too science <laughs> Yeah, but we hope, I think, you know, we've spoken about so much, and I think people would definitely have learned something. Um, and we can you know link if you've got any specific research studies we can always put those in the show notes amazing well thank you so much for having this conversation it was really educational for me as well yes um and I'm sure everyone listening as well too I just repeated myself like five times um (laughs) so where can everyone find you if they want to hear more about what you do and just learn more about sports nutrition So I have an Instagram account called Sarah J Nutrition and I try and keep it really educational. You do, you do some great posts. Right, not negative about anybody else and just keep it as (laughs) the facts. Um, And then I have a website which is www.mutribloom.co.uk and that will have like the full blog post and and, um, articles to to good study and things on there as well. Awesome, we will put those in the show notes for people to find easily. thank you thank you so much sarah i love chatting with you and we'll catch up with you soon yes thank you very much bye thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the forking wellness podcast as always please rate review and subscribe and share with your friends if you love this episode it really does help us get seen in the chart you can now also order our forking wellness book anywhere books are sold order it on amazon prime for next day delivery and barnes and noble in america and if you love the book we would so appreciate a review on amazon we absolutely love hearing your feedback and we really hope you enjoy it we'll speak to you guys next week bye